Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter, Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. Also, you can read my regular CBSSports.com column, um, Agent's Take on NFL Contract and Salary Cap Matters. Uh, This week's uh, podcast topics are courtesy of a couple of tweets um, from last week. First, we'll be looking at the inside linebacker market and who's going to uh, reset it. And also, um, what's going on with uh, Tyron Matthew and the Kansas City Chiefs and his uh, future there? First, let's look at inside linebackers. Um, Colts owner Jim Ursay expressed some confidence that extensions uh, could be reached with right tackle uh, Braden Smith and linebacker Darius Leonard right after the uh, conclusion of the uh, NFL draft. Leonard had a tweet um, last Monday um, that caught my, raised my attention or caught my attention. I'm just trying to get what I deserve. He deserves a lot based on how he's played. Leonard's scheduled to make $3.384 million in the final year of his rookie contract. He was originally scheduled to make $1,468,338 before earning the level three proven performance escalator for being selected to the Pro Bowl on the original ballot. He's a Pro Bowl in 2019. So that took his um, fourth-year salary to the second-round restricted free agent tender this year. That's how he gets to $3.384 million uh, this year. Leonard has been great ever since he stepped into the NFL. Um, 2018 Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, he's earned All-Pro honors each year. First team All Pro 2018, second team All Pro 2019, first team All Pro 2020. As a rookie, he led the NFL in tackles 163. 2019, led linebackers in the NFL five interceptions. And for an off ball linebacker, and by that I mean linebackers who aren't known as pass rushers, he's got 15 sacks over three years, which is a tremendous um, amount. Now, Inside linebacker market took a huge jump in 2019, and that was after you had years of stagnation. Um, Luke Keekley in 2015 reset the market, signed a five-year extension, averaging 12.35 million. Market didn't move until 2019. That's a long time for a market. To be stagnant. And then 2019, you saw Quan Alexander coming off a knee injury that happened with the Bucks get $13.5 million per year as an average to go to the 49ers. And then uh, shortly after that, <laughs> free agency, the Jets did something that nobody was anticipating. Signed C.J. Mosley, $85 million five-year contract, averaging $17 million per year. Blew everything out of the water. $51 million of guarantees. $43 million fully guaranteed at signing. Those two guarantee marks are still benchmarks uh, for off-ball linebackers. That set the stage for future Hall of Famer Bobby Wagner to become the highest-paid off-ball linebacker. And Wagner signed a three-year, $54 million extension, averaging $18 million per year. And that's where the market is. And since um, Wagner signed, nobody's gotten close 
Nobody has come close to getting more Bobby Wagner type money. Um, since he signed, the closest anyone has gotten is an off-ball linebacker. That's Zach Cunningham to Texans at $14.5 million uh, per year. Nobody has come close. So that deal kind of sticks out as an outlier. The reason I say I'm not looking at distinct inside linebacker market versus outside linebacker market is that the real distinction is do you rush the passer or do you not? And by rush the passer, I mean you're like a edge rusher, a 3-4 outside linebacker, which would mean you'd be a 4-3 defensive end. As far as negotiation purposes go, that agents are going to look at it, well, you either do or you don't. Teams are pretty much going to accept that, so we're not going to make a distinction between inside linebackers and weak side, Wills, or Sam, strong side linebackers as well. So it's really one market either are getting to the quarterback, and that's your primary responsibility, or you're not. Um, the Colts have, after signing Eric Fisher, they've got all their draft picks done, um, just under $15 million of cap room. They did something interesting with Eric Fisher's contract. Fisher, um, typically this is a pay-as-you-go team. And by that I mean cap and cash are the same each year because they don't give signing bonuses. Tampa Bay used to do that until this year. They're in a championship window as defending champions. They just threw that philosophy out the window, started prorating stuff, adding voiding, voiding dummy years to contracts to keep the 2021 cap numbers low. I was curious to see whether the um, Colts would start doing that. They have with the Fisher deal. Fisher um, was cut by the Chiefs uh, after tearing his Achilles in the playoffs. Had a year remaining on his contract. $4 million signing bonus, um, $2 million base salary, $2.38 million in per-game active roster bonuses. The total us $140,000 per game. All of those are cap charges because he played every game. Last year, $1 million in, in playtime incentives. Um, base value of the deal is $8.38 million. Max is out at $9.38 million. Game a signing bonus, $4 million signing bonus. They don't give signing bonuses, and they also added a voiding dummy 22 contract year as well to stretch out the proration. It's going to put his cap number at $6.38 million. When I'm talking about the Chiefs have about $15 million of cap room, I am at the Chiefs, the Colts have $15 million of cap room. I'm including the Fisher deal. So I would look for them to make that exception in terms of some sort of signing bonus with Leonard. Um, if I'm Leonard, uh, there's no deal to be made if I'm not surpassing Bobby Wagner. It's been a couple of years. I'm coming off of my rookie contract. I'm, I'm, I'm an ascending player. So there is nothing to be done if that doesn't happen. Leonard could be self-contained as a contract. And by that, I mean that... If you're going to give him a signing bonus and you want to keep the cap number neutral, you can do that. His minimum base salary is 920 because he's got three credited seasons. That's the minimum base salary. So if you wanted to play with his nine, I mean his 3.384 million dollar uh, salary, let's say you chopped it down to 984,000, then that's going to leave you two four that you could uses bonus proration. Say you do a four-year extension, then you're talking, you can go signing bonus up to $12 million. And 
cap number is not going to change. Now, Bobby Wagner increase over Mosley's average yearly salary, 5.88%. You do that for Leonard from Wagner, you're getting to slightly over $19 million per year. The question is, is he going to get to these Mosley guarantees? <laughs> the $43 million fully guaranteed at signing, no off-ball linebackers come close to that, or the 51 an overall guarantee, so we'll see. Now, he's not the only guy that could make a run or surpass Wagner. Fred Warner had a breakout year with the 49ers in 2020. All-pro by the Associated Press, Sporting News, Pro Football Riders. Um, Jets head coach Robert Sala, who was the 49ers defensive coordinator, proclaimed Late last year, Warner was by far the best middle linebacker in the NFL. His um, play doesn't make that an outlandish statement. Um, I'm sure other teams would disagree with that. They think that their guy is just as good, if not better. But talks have not started between the 49ers and Warner yet. Um, They're typically proactive and don't let core players walk out the door. So I don't anticipate Warner not getting extension done. It's in his best interest to wait and see if uh, Leonard gets something done. Ursay seems to have more of a sense of urgency than um, the 49ers. And if Leonard goes first, then he can use that to try to set his floor. Warner can to set Leonard's deal as his floor and leapfrog that. Um, one thing the 49ers don't have to worry about on a go-forward basis is they won't be paying a quarterback after this year. Jimmy Garoppolo is basically in a audition season for the rest of the NFL. They drafted, moved up to the third overall pick to take Trey Lance. So he's not going to be there in 2022. And Lance won't be eligible for contract extension until 2024 at the earliest. So you're not going to have to contend with the 49ers having to pay, have a high-priced quarterback and also having an off-ball linebacker at the top of the market because once Garoppolo's got a $27 million cap hit in 2022, they'll pick up $25.6 million whether they trade him or release him. So that's the cap amount of the cap that they're going to pick up, $25.6 million of cap room they'll gain with him not around. Uh, One thing we do know is if you don't get a deal done with – Either one of these two guys, uh, Leonard or Warner, I would be surprised if they were franchised because the way the linebacker franchise number works in in the system is inefficient to me because three, four outside linebackers, edge rushers, are distinguished from defensive ends. They're not included. There's not a pass rusher franchise tag, which is why you've seen grievances for the outside linebackers, the three, four outside linebackers, to uh, try to get classified as defensive ends, and typically they get settled like Matthew Judon last year. They split the baby when he filed a grievance between the two numbers, so he had a kind of a hybrid tag at $16.808 million for 2020. All the highest cap numbers, which go into the calculations for franchise tags, are for these edge rushers, these three, four outside linebackers. So the franchise tag number doesn't reflect, for the most part, where the off-ball linebacker market is. 
we don't know where the cap's going to be next year. Um, I wouldn't anticipate a huge jump, a huge spike, because the new media rights deals were done. Um, Bill's GM, Brandon Bean, recently said that there's some uncertainty because he doesn't know what stadium capacities are going to be for where the cap's ultimately going to come in. But they had been using between $195 million to $200 million for their internal projections. I can't imagine that his projections are that much different than other NFL teams. NFL teams typically have to err on the side of caution for cap planning. But that's going to put the 2021 linebacker franchise tag um, from my manual calculations taking up 9.024% of the cap, which is going to work out to about 17.6 to 18.05 million, depending upon what where the cap comes in if it's between that range. So you're talking basically 18.75 million, we'll say, as a franchise tag. What agents will do is they'll take the average of two franchise tags, if you want to use that. You're talking 18.75, then 22.5 for two tags. That's 41.25 over two years. So an agent may do his due diligence and start looking at that and use that as a negotiation point. If you got a franchise and we're talking over $20 million per year for two years, so you might as well get there now. You might as well guarantee over $40 million fully guaranteed at signing, which is going to get you real close to the uh, Mosley amount fully guaranteed at signing. But in any event, I don't anticipate Bobby Wagner is still going to be the highest paid off-ball linebacker by the time the 2021 regular season starts in September. It'll be one of these two guys, if not both, and I suspect the guy who goes last, which looks like it's probably going to be Warner, will be the one is at the top of the market. And that's going to set up an interesting dynamic for next year. Bobby Wagner will be entering a contract year. He was a first-team All-Pro this year. you got a lot of great young linebackers. He turns 31 in June, so we're talking about him going into his mid-30s. That will be interesting, if, particularly if he continues to play at a very high level this year, how Seattle would handle that with him. But that's something which is a ways off. But we're going to see some movement in the off-linebacker off-ball linebacker market this offseason. What's up? It's Mike Jones from the Football Jones Podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with Inside the Cap, but once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL, high-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks, as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast. Another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. Let's look at a Tyron Matthew situation. Matthew just turned 29 um, a couple weeks ago. He responded to a tweet about getting a contract extension and expressed pessimism. Um, said he's probably not getting one in KC. My initial thought was that means Chiefs aren't willing to pay him like uh, Justin Simmons. Justin Simmons was franchised by the Denver Broncos this year. And then signed an extension, not an extension since there's nothing to extend, um, a four-year contract for $61 million, averaging $15.25 million per year, making the highest paid safety, $35 million 
guarantees. 32.1 million fully guaranteed at signing. May not just mean that. Could be a couple other plausible explanations for why there's no extension. Could be that the Chiefs do want to pay him, um, like Simmons or more, make him the highest paid safety, but they want that lousy structure that Travis Kelsey inexplicably accepted, which may have been the best thing that Brant Tillis has done besides locking Patrick Mahomes up to infinity. And Tillis is the director of football administration and Kansas City's lead negotiator of player contracts and is primarily responsible for the uh, salary cap. And why uh, that Telsey structure, Kelsey, not Telsey, combining their names, Kelsey structure was extremely team-friendly. He signed an extension, making the second highest paid tight end behind George Kittle at a little over $14 million per year. But it was essentially pay-as-you-go because <laughs> there's no signing bonus. He didn't get a raise in 2020 when he did the extension. Typically, you do an extension of that magnitude, you're getting a raise. Still made the same amount he was making in 2020, $9.25 million. And incredibly backloaded deal. So maybe they want to do it, but they want to do it on those terms. And there's a snowball's chance in hell that Matthew's uh, agent, Tom Condon, would agree to a structure like that. I remember a time when you could do six-year deals in the first round. And Tom Condon represented Ben Watson, um, who was a tight end out of Georgia, was the back end of the first round. I think he was a last pick that year. And the Patriots wanted to do a six-year deal. Tom Condon was not going to agree to a six-year deal, did not want that associated with his name. I can't see any scenario where Tom Condon is going to have a Travis Kelsey-like structure um, associated with his name. And Condon's like the granddaddy, the OG of agents. This dude started representing players back in the mid-'80s in the twilight of his NFL career. Um, it's best known for representing franchise quarterbacks. The recently retired Drew Brees had the Manning brothers, got the two Matts, Matt, uh, Matt Ryan, uh, Matthew Stafford, Zach Martin. He set the guard market with him, which has subsequently been surpassed. But you're not getting that team-friendly structure out of him. Or it could mean that Condon and Matthew were looking at, hey, we know this market's going to move. We're in no hurry. And they're kind of waiting to see what happens with Jamal Adams, which ain't going to be an easy deal to do. I've discussed in a previous podcast before. But Adams sees himself as a defensive weapon, doesn't want to be constrained by the safety market, um, thinks because he lines up in a multitude of positions and set the defensive back record for sacks. He don't want just safety money. And there are reports he was – that dates back to – when he was still with the Jets before the Seahawks traded him, traded for him, and he wanted to be the highest-paid uh, defensive player in the Jets, which is C.J. Mosley at $17 million per year, which we discussed earlier in this podcast. So if the Chiefs were thinking, yeah, we can get him for 15.5, maybe 16, stretching it, maybe you can get it if the Adams deal doesn't get done or Adams wasn't in the equation. But uh, they're taking a wait-and-see approach for that. Also, um, you can't franchise. Matthew next year. The 120% provision is going to kick in. He's got the highest cap number for safety in the NFL at $19,733,334. So 
So the way the 20% provision is going to work, you can take his $14.55 million base salary, add, add that to the bonus proration, that's $19,483,434, that's $19, multiply that by 120%, that gets you to $23.38 million. He's got a $250,000 workout bonus, gets added in after the fact, so his tag number is going to be $23.63 million. Ain't happening. No franchise tag, so... He's got some leverage here. Uh, high cap number to begin with. The Chiefs are okay cap-wise. They got about $8 million, $7.58 million in cap room. Um, they've got all their draft picks signed. Um, so he can hit the open market. It's been all pro past two years. Safeties have more longevity than corners. What happens to corners with great size? They can't cover anybody anymore. They become safeties. They become very good ones, like the Woodsons, Charles and, and Rod. Uh, so... Being a 30-year-old safety in 2022, playing early 30s, not a big deal. For corner, that's a bigger deal. But, hey, he could do just fine in free agency if he got there. So maybe you get him done at 16. I don't know. Um, and then if you are able to get him done, structure is going to depend on whether the Chiefs want to create cap room this year or not. If he took his base salary down to his league minimum, $1.075 million, let's say gave him a $20 million signing bonus, Sign four-year extension so you have maximum proration purposes. Signing bonus over five years. Then you could pick up nearly $9.5 million of cap room that way. So it all remains to be seen whether it gets a deal done. I don't know if that was just him trying to miss his expectations for the public by saying that instead of just uh, giving a no comment or an innocuous uh, Russell, giving a Russell Wilson comment where you – Except when he had diarrhea of the mouth this year and was talking about wanting to be traded. Typically, Russell Wilson's mastered the uh, art of talking and saying nothing. Um, maybe Matthew. Surprisingly, Matthew didn't give a tweet where he did that. And basically was like, hey, I don't think I'm going to be here right now. It was like, I don't think we'll sign an extension. We'll see if he gets one done. And how much more he gets than Justin Simmons. But one thing you can be sure of, it won't be that Travis Kelsey structure that no agent in his right mind ever should have done. It may be closer to the regular season if something gets done. Um, he's kind of waiting on Adams. I don't think that'd be a quick deal. Now that I said that, the deal gets announced next week. That's going to be uh, this week's Inside the Cap. Thank you for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. Also, read my regular CBSSports.com sports.com column, Agent's Take on NFL Contract and Salary Cap Matters. Goodbye.